Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. glad to be here this morning. That's awesome. Good, good. Well, before we get started, I want to share something with you uh, from the Shields family. It looks like um, probably within this, sometime this week, more likely than not, there's going to be a temporary addition, temporary addition, make that clear, temporary addition to the Shields family. And it looks like the Lord is lining this up for us to, uh, you know, we're very missional at First Baptist Church, right? We, we like to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Well, the Lord has somehow worked it out to bring the nations to our home, it seems like. So very soon, like I said, probably this week, hopefully by the time we come back to church next week, we will have a Norwegian foreign exchange student as part of our family coming with us. So be in prayer for this young lady. I will not try to pronounce her name yet. Uh, but be in prayer for her and her family and our family as we have this incredible transition where she comes and attends Barberville High School for the year and, and just becomes part of the community. So really, really awesome stuff. So in our journey through the Word, we've been following the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and we've looked at several things specifically in his life and ministry. And just to give you a recap, because if you're like me, we forget things. We talked about his baptism. We've looked at some of his teachings, even the Sermon on the Mount uh, and some others. We've looked at some stories that he shared, parables, last week. This morning, we're going to go back to the Gospel of John. It'll be in the 13th chapter of the Gospel of John, looking at Jesus' example. He actually does something as an example for us. And so the world, I feel like, would be a much better place if people would just follow the example of Jesus, right? Can, can you imagine, just for a minute, just pretend that the, every Christian in the church followed the example of Jesus. What a better church and a better world it would be. I heard a story this week about a, a church, an old country Baptist church out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and this old man had attended there for years. He was elderly at this point. He was a deacon in the church. And he hadn't been going to deacon meetings for some time. He felt like it was um, the responsibility of the younger folks of the church to step up and take care of church business. You know, folks in their 50s and 60s, the younger crowd. And so one day he got wind that the church was talking about spending some money. And so he gets his grandson to take him down to the church to this special called deacons meeting. And they go in and, and they're talking about buying a chandelier for the church. And so they get into a pretty deep and, and even heated discussion amongst the deacon body about buying this chandelier for the church. And so this guy, he's sitting back taking it all in. And finally one deacon just says, you know what? I move that we buy this chandelier for the church. Another deacon seconded the motion. Moderator said, is there any discussion? And this old elderly deacon stands up to his feet. He says, gentlemen, first of all, let's just be honest with ourselves. 
If we spend all this money and buy this chandelier, nobody in this room knows how to spell it if we try to order it. He said, furthermore, if we do get this thing ordered and somehow it does show up to our church, nobody in this church even knows how to play the thing. And he said, lastly, if we're going to spend all this money on this thing that some, nobody can even play, I say we need new lights in the church more than we need a new chandelier. <laughs> I think if we followed Jesus' example, there'd be a lot less arguing about silly things in the church. And the world would be so much better. That's what we see in John chapter 13, is Jesus... Teaching his disciples, Luke tells us in a parallel story that leading up to this point that the disciples have been arguing amongst themselves about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Which one of them was the best? And now Jesus decides to teach them, just them, nobody else at this point, the twelve of them, one of the final lessons he would share with them before he goes to the cross. And so they gather in the upper room, the twelve plus Jesus, for the Passover meal, the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, on the very night that Jesus would be betrayed. And in John chapter 13, the Bible says this. It says, Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that His hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. Now when it was time for supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray Him. And Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into His hands, that He had come from God, and that He was going back to God. So He got up from supper, laid aside His outer clothing, took a towel, and tied it around Himself. Next, He poured water into a basin and began to wash His disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around Him. He came to Simon Peter who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you don't realize now, but afterward you will understand. You will never wash my feet, Peter said. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. One who has bathed, Jesus told him doesn't need to wash anything except his feet. But he's completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean. When Jesus washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're speaking rightly since that's what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I've done for you. So let's talk about foot washing for a minute. I've learned that no, no amount of education will ever help a mountain boy say washing the right way. It's still washing. So let's talk about foot washing. If you've never done this, I know that some churches still do this every now and then. If you've never done this, it's actually a very humbling experience to get down on your knees and to wash someone's feet. And so in first century Palestine, uh, your primary mode of transportation was what? Your two feet. 
And so you got around on your feet all along those dusty roads of Israel. And if you did that, you can imagine one's feet would get quite dirty as you traveled from place to place. But not only were the, I mean, their nasty, sweaty feet dirty and just dusty. But not only that, what else goes along these roads? Every other animal that goes with the people. So not only are you walking through the dirt, you're walking through every... You know what I'm saying, right? Okay. So when entering into a place, especially for the, the main course of supper, it was customary uh, to wash your feet, needless to say, because uh, the people would gather around for, for supper around a very low table and almost in a reclining position. So, I mean, the feet were kind of right there. And so you wanted to wash these feet. Now, that task of washing someone's feet was typically done by the servant in that household because it was a very lowly task, as you can imagine. If you remember when we talked about Jesus' baptism, John the Baptist even said what? He said about Jesus that he wasn't worthy to stoop down and even unstrap his sandal because that lowly task was above him in light of who Jesus was. And so Jesus breaks all customs, all expectations, all, everything normal in this scene and gets down and washes these men's dirty feet. There's three observations we see if we want to learn from Jesus' example. First of all, Jesus practiced the Father's will. Let's talk about that. John tells us that Jesus knew His hour had come, that His time was coming for Him to go to the cross and to suffer and die and take on the sins of the world. And Jesus was well aware of the Father's mission and His will for Him. And even in this critical moment in history, Jesus never, not even for a moment, not even for a second, departed from the Father's will. Completely obedient. Instead, he stayed the course. And John tells us that he loved these disciples right up to the very literally bloody end. And I'm sure these men, if, we, if you look at the Gospels, you almost sense they got on his nerves. He, he got tired of having to reteach them and reteach them and re-show them things. But Jesus loved them. And he was willing to die for them. And not only was he aware of his coming suffering and death, but Jesus was very aware of His coming betrayal by Judas Iscariot. And I think that Jesus even loved Judas. I do. I think that if Judas, personally, I think if Judas had repented, that Jesus would have saved Judas. But that wasn't going to happen. Jesus, the Bible says, had given His heart to the devil. And God, again, throughout uh, the biblical narrative, He uses that evil for our good. And He allows His Son then to be betrayed and go to the cross and die for our sins. So Jesus, even though He knew all this, and He knew what was coming, He had His eyes set on the Father's will. And not only that, but I like the way John puts it, Jesus is looking forward to going home to His Father. Now I wonder, do we trust the Father's will the way that Jesus did? Are we willing to follow God's plan and trust in God's plan no matter what life throws our way? No matter what we see on the horizon, are we willing to trust this is what God says we're going to do, so we're going to do it? There was a man by the name of Horatio Spafford. And Spafford was a very, very successful businessman. He was an attorney and a real estate investor. And in 1871, Spafford lost literally a fortune in the great Chicago fire. And so around this same time, not only does he lose his fortune and everything he's worked for, but his 
beloved four-year-old son comes down with scarlet fever and he dies. And so Spafford decides that it would probably be a good idea for his family and for himself, for their own welfare, to take a vacation and get away and, and try to just, you know, get through all this. And so he sends his wife and his four daughters on a ship to England. And his plan was to get some things finished up in the United States. And, and eventually he'd go over and he'd join them and they'd have a good vacation away from, from everything. On the way to England, the ship that the wife and the daughters were on had a terrible, unexpected accident and sank. Somehow his wife survived, but all four of this man's daughters died in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And so as soon as he could, he jumps on a ship bound for England and he's sailing across making this voyage to meet with his wife, who I'm sure was absolutely beside herself. And now they're out there in the middle of the Atlantic. The captain calls for Horatio and he, he tells him, this is about the area where the ship went down and your daughters perished. And as Horatio looked out over the waves and the water and he began to think about his daughters and think about his situation, not, it wasn't grief that flooded his heart, but he said these words of comfort flooded his mind and he actually wrote them down. And they'll go like this. When peace... Like a river attendeth my way. And imagine looking out over these seas. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to know it is well, it is well with my soul. He said, For me, be it Christ. Be it Christ, hence to live. If Jordan above me shall roll, no pang shall be mine. For in death as in life, thou wilt whisper thy peace to my soul. He said, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. It is well. Is it well with your soul this morning? Even Jesus would wrestle with the Father's will. But in the end, Jesus wouldn't stray from the Father's will. He would pray, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. If there's any other way, Father, take this cup from me, but nevertheless, let your will be done in me. Maybe it's time this morning you come to that place in your faith. And you fully, absolutely, completely trust God's will for your life. Whatever that looks like. Second thing we observe is that Jesus not only practiced the Father's will, but He personified the Father's way. John tells us that in His love for the Father and in His love for the disciples, Jesus takes action. And he assumes this role of a lowly servant, literally getting down and taking these men, these disciples, dirty, stinky feet in his hands and washing them. See, when they went into the upper room, there's no servant there to, to do this for them. And so Jesus assumes the role of that servant. And one by one, just picture the scene. He goes around. He takes their feet, he takes their shoes off, and he takes the water and pours it on there. And, and the Lord just washes these men's feet. 
And then when Peter resists, Jesus teaches them yet another lesson about salvation. He says, listen, guys, if you're going to be with me, if you're going to be with Jesus, then I don't have to just wash your feet, but I got to wash away your sins. And once Jesus has done this, he says, you're now clean. In other words, you're justified, as the Apostle Paul would say. And now all you need, guys, is this occasional foot washing. You don't have to get rewashed. You just need your feet washed off every now and then because as you go through this world, you're going to be getting in some messes. You're going to wrestle with temptation. You're going to get a little bit dirty, but that's not, they don't mean that you need completely washed again. I've done that for you. And he's talking about sanctification. But notice, and again, just wrap your mind around this scene for a moment. The Lord, the Lord of all, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he gets down in front of these men. And again, these men, think about who they were. These are men that very soon would run and hide. Peter would deny that he even knew who Jesus was just, just mere hours from now. And Jesus is washing their feet. And then there's one that we forget about. There's Judas, I think, was still sitting over there. And Jesus has absolutely nothing to gain from Judas other than his betrayal. Judas had allowed the devil to take him over. Jesus himself tells everybody, there's one in here that ain't clean. He's not saved. He's not right. Judas himself would even go and take his own life later. Jesus had nothing to gain from this. But best that we can tell, Jesus still goes over and he gets down on his hands and knees. And he takes Judas' feet in his hands. And he washes that old dirt and grime off. As one commentator said, the one whose feet would soon be pierced took the feet of the one who betrayed him in his holy hands and washed them. Jesus was showing us the way of God the Father. That in God's kingdom, things were, things were going to be different. That the first are going to be the last and the last are going to be the first. And that the Father's will and everything in His kingdom is driven by this love from the Father that's unlike any other love in the universe. That His will is driven by this agape type love, this self-sacrificing love. It's a love that would send Christ to the cross for people like Judas and me and you. So when you're having a hard time, and this is kind of what I go back to, I've thought about this this week. When you're having a hard time loving people the way that Jesus loved people, and you're having a hard time and you're, you're, you're just, you're kind of tired of people and their mess and their, their failures. Just remember, if Jesus can wash Judas' feet, I think you're going to be all right. Last observation. Jesus practiced the Father's will, personified the Father's way, and lastly, He promoted the Father's work. He was all about the work of the Father and His business. In typical Jesus fashion, Jesus uses this demonstration, this illustration, uh, and then He sits down with the guys and explains it to them because they weren't comprehending it as usual. And He says, do you guys know what I've done for you? He says, I, your teacher, your Lord, I've humbled myself and, and I've washed your feet. I, I've become a, a servant to you. And, and now, guys, you're to do the same. Follow my example. I, I think the picture that, that Jesus is giving us in his words or was literally about to take on a whole new meaning as they watched him go to the cross and, and, and wash away the sins of the world in his own blood. And they come to this realization 
that their Lord, their Messiah, their teacher, their rabbi, not only humbled himself and washed their old nasty, dirty feet, but he humbled himself by taking on the form of a servant. That servant that Isaiah talks about in Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. And in his humility, he became obedient to death. Paul would say, even death on a cross. So that every single sin of theirs could be washed away. Not just the grime on their toes, but every sin ever committed. The only thing he tells them to do here, he says, guys, you need to be like me. You need to wash each other's feet. Now, some people take that very literal and they, they do a lot of foot washing. But I think what Jesus is saying is that you guys need to love one another. It's what the apostles would say elsewhere. You need to love one another. You need to do for one another. You need to care for one another. Take care of one another and love one another just as I have loved you. And a matter of fact, guys, this is how the world will know your mind is that you love one another. So tonight when we come in here, guess what we're going to do? We're not going to do an old fashioned foot wash. Now, guys, I saw the look. We're not going to do that. But maybe there's someone in your life. Think about this. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you need to be more like Jesus to. That you need to practice some humility with. And you just need to love them in spite of them. You know what I mean? And even if you won't get anything in return, I think Jesus would say, well, go ahead and wash their feet anyway. Just love them. And maybe you're in a different situation this morning. Maybe you're towards the front end of this message and you're still struggling with the Father's will. And you're trying to figure out why is this this way? Why is God asking this of me? Why did God allow this to happen? And today what you need to do is simply trust Him more. And maybe you just need to pray that His will for you would be a little more clear. And if you do that, I'm sure God will just give you the next step. Maybe this morning you've been putting off washing feet. You've been putting off getting involved in the ministries of the church and loving people. Listen, Kristen asked for it. We have got more work to, than we can handle in this community. And so I think it's time that we all step up and wash a few more feet because listen, when you do something for somebody like that and you see the tears coming down their eyes, when you stand there with a dad whose house is burned down and he don't have any food and he don't have anything to give his family and you watch him cry because you give him a little old measly gift card, Listen, you're doing the work of Jesus. And I think maybe it's time that we do a little bit more of it. Just stand with me as we pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we, we're so grateful for these wonderful lessons, these precious moments that are captured in Your Word. As we can look and we can learn from the example of Jesus. Lord, I pray that we'd be more like Him. Lord, I pray that we could trust Your will more. No matter what happens, we can say, you know what, my, my Father's got this. It's, it's well with my soul. Lord, that we could be completely obedient to Your will and plan for our lives, no matter what that is. Lord, that they could be, our life would be a lot less about us and a lot more about You. Lord, this morning, if there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus, they don't know that love, that agape, self-sacrificing love 
that you have. God, I pray this morning you give them the faith and the courage to make that choice and be saved. And God, for us that have been sitting on the sidelines and we've been refusing to get our, our hands dirty, God, I pray that you would just challenge us and move us, Lord, to, to do your work, to go where there's a need and to meet that need. And most importantly, share Jesus through our words and our actions. It's in his name we pray, Lord. Amen. This morning as we sing this old song, Amazing Grace, if you just need to come and pray this morning, of course, this altar is open. If there's a decision that you'd like to make or share with your church this morning, if you need to be saved, why don't you come and be saved? Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.